With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, you Never knew it. Way. You knew it was bound to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. Today's musical guest, the uh, the legend of all legends, Elvis Presley. Uh, there is a documentary uh, right now on HBO. It's a two-parter. I watched the first part. I think you got to wait till this weekend to see the second part. It's called The Searcher. The first part is uh, his real decline has not started yet uh, physically. He's just starting to get into the pain pills and the like. Uh, and we're just starting to find out what a crook Colonel Tom Parker was, the uh, guy who uh, ran his, uh, you know, basically ran his career and had a almost Rasputin-like uh, control over Elvis. Did you read this story? Uh, I, I happened to see this story recently, but it's an old story that that uh, Colonel Tom it comes from came from somewhere in Europe. He was in the country illegally, really? and he supposedly murdered somebody. Really? Yeah, yeah, there was some. Well, there's a there was an unexplained death there, and then he left town, and nobody ever saw him again. I did not know that. Yeah, and it's uh, so. But uh, Elvis Presley, of course, uh, uh, sadly uh, died at age 42, uh, born August 8th, 1935, in Tupelo, and uh, died uh, in Memphis. uh, at his uh, state, Graceland, uh, heart attack, uh, and after years of uh, drug abuse, unfortunately, I was looking at the uh, looking at some of the uh, videos today to uh, select the tunes for the. Uh, there's a rather large catalog to choose from with Elvis. Yeah, I would think Elvis, so, to say the least. But uh, I was selecting some of the tunes, and there's one of him. Uh, there's a couple of him from the like the where he's near the end. And, oh, man, it's sad. But the voice is still there. I mean, the voice isn't what it was. But there's one. He's in Vegas. He's got the, you know, the goofy suit on, and it's about two sizes too small. Yeah. And he's got some guy that has, he's he's basically saying he can't remember the chords and stuff like oh, that. But he's going to play the piano. Yeah. And he's got, the, the guy has to come over and hold the mic for him in front of him while he's playing the piano. And then he starts singing, and it's terrific. You know, wow. but it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 you could see he didn't have much, uh, time left when he was doing that. I was in Baltimore with the twins, uh, when the word came out, uh, that Elvis had died. And Ray Crump was the twins equipment manager. Okay. And he and Elvis somehow, I don't know, Ray, Ray was a memorabilia guy. Somehow he, and Elvis were buddies. And uh, I remember uh, 
coming into the clubhouse, riding out on the team bus, and Ray was already there, and coming into the clubhouse and saying, did you hear about Elvis? And he said, did he die? And I said, but he said, nah, I was I was expecting that, he said. So hmm. anyway, it was, uh, it was a terrible deal. But Elvis Presley, the... Uh, uh, it was it was astounding. This documentary, Manny, when he goes on the Ed Sullivan show in '57, I believe he made the Ed Sullivan appear. They wouldn't show him from the waist down because of the wiggling. Oh, it was okay. too sexual. Yeah, and then of course there were protests <laughs> and people were out. You know, the preachers were out saying he's a representative of the devil and the whole. Uh, and the whole thing. And, of course, he's a very religious guy, yeah. great gospel singer. The genesis of his singing is singing gospel music in the church with his religious family, you know. so I just remember having gone down to Memphis a couple of times, and you just go up and down, like, Beale Street. And, yeah. I mean, there's... Beale Street's great because there's just there's live music. Half, and there's half of it also. is uh, oh, Elvis memorabilia. El- Elvis memorabilia. There's a big statue like right downtown. <laughs> I mean, it's it's everywhere. Elvis is everywhere in Memphis. Yes, and uh, of course uh, there was. I don't know if we have as many impersonators as uh, as uh, we used to have in Vegas and places yeah. like that, but they're when uh, my wife and I got married out there. Katie and I got married out there in 1990. And we were kind of teasing each other. We we're going to get married. We got married at the little white chapel, which is, you know, she says it was the 15 bucks. It cost me 50 bucks. Okay. <laughs> Plus 25 for the limo. So we went high, but, uh-huh. but I kept saying, let's get an Elvis impersonator because they had, they had <laughs> yeah. some of them. Cause why not? Right? Yeah, let's get it. If we're going to be tacky, let's go all yeah. tacky. Go all in. And it actually it only cost you an extra 50 bucks for an Elvis impersonator. Right. You know what the greatest thing about getting married in Vegas is? When you go to the clock, when you used to go to the Clark County courthouse to get your uh, license, mm-hmm. you fill it out in pencil. <laughs> they had like the string pencil, <laughs> string pencil there, and you filled it out and just gave it to them, and boom. There you go. There you go. It was uh, fantastic. It out in pencil. But Elvis uh, was uh, at least a sad case, but man alive, he's uh, he was uh, that he voice was, was that voice was something. And uh, today we are honoring him as our uh, Friday a musical fun fest guest. And uh, his uh, wife had a big part of uh, Priscilla had a big. I think it's uh, I think it's his wife had a big part in this uh, in this documentary that's going on, and it's pretty good. Although they keep having Tom Petty. And Springsteen talk about him, and Petty's okay mm-hmm. talking. Of course, Petty's dead now too. But but uh, Petty's okay talking about him, and uh, but Springsteen is just kind of offering every cliche you might want to offer about <laughs> him. He's not really bringing a lot of insight into the into the thing, but it's good for it. But it's a documentary on HBO. It's called The Searcher, and it's uh it's about Elvis Presley. And uh, we do we hear from play- do we hear from uh, Lisa Marie in this uh, documentary at all? Uh, the daughter? I, yeah. I think, she, I'm not sure. I think she's probably in, in the second part of it, okay. probably. So, I'll tell you what, though, that young lady that he married, Priscilla, was, uh, yeah. you know, she was, I think she was only 17 when he first dated her in in Germany. Uh, he was how, in the mili- how old was he? He was in the military. He okay. was early 20s. Early 20s, but, okay. But he'd gotten drafted, and she was like the daughter of... Mm-hmm some military guy and 
they weren't the family wasn't horribly happy that uh, she was going to go out on a date with Elvis Presley. But it's amazing when he's in the military. Basically, they just used him for a PR guy. They they they'd have access to him, and he'd be doing these phone-in interviews with the TV back in the States and stuff about, well, I'm doing my duty here, and blah, blah, blah. you think anybody in the history of show business has been used more than Elvis? Poor guy. Yeah. yeah, You gotta feel for him. And the colonel was an evil guy. Oh, very evil. Evil guy. The first guy, the guy at Sun Records was... Sam? Sam was great. I mean, Sam was not... Sam was... Sam was all on it was on his side, you know. But yeah, uh, it's really sad because there's so much that Elvis wanted to do that the the Colonel just wouldn't let him do yeah, because it didn't fit his a, image. Well, did you? I was telling Manny, did you hear? See that story about him? That yeah, some back in what they think is his home area in Europe. Uh, he he was an evil looking guy. That's yep. for sure. Yep. All right, Elvis would be uh, entertaining us throughout the day. Everyone swinging a long one to left field. This could be a game winner. It's going to go for a home run. Sox win. Sox win on a two-out home run by Trace Thompson to left. Turn on the fireworks. That home run lifted Trace Thompson's batting average to 140 since the White Sox got him. Now he hasn't been there very long, and he's not playing all the time. Of course, Michael Thompson's baseball-playing son, as opposed Mm -hmm. to his basketball-playing son, Clay, uh, but uh, the the White Sox picked him up. I think he's been with about three clubs this year, bouncing around on waivers. Uh, not exactly a home run threat, but when you're facing the Twins in a walk off <laughs> situation, everybody's everybody's a home, a home run threat, right? Uh, so uh, the Twins, how many walk offs now? Five, right? I, I thought I had a list. Year, yeah. I don't have it. That's two off Addison Reed. Go go, go go got him. And uh, and so did uh, Trace Thompson last night, mm-hmm. and then uh, Fernando got uh, a car. Who got uh, Fernando opening day? Austin uh, Adam Jones got him. Did he? And, then and Sanchez, Tra- Sanchez got yeah, him. Yankee Stadium. And then we had the don't step on first base walk off. Right? Is that? Has there been any others? There might be five. This, might be not the right number. We might have more than five. This is how we baseball. I was. I, this is how we baseball. I was going to change the name. I was looking for a nickname. You know, the walked off wonders. You know, not instead. Of, you can't call them the walk off wonders. They got to be the walked off wonders. Now, uh, when you have a five to one lead against a team playing like the Whiteys have been playing mm. with no hitting. You can't get beat. You can't get beat. Yeah. When you have three, four-run leads against the Cincinnati Reds at home, you can't get you beat. Can't get beat. This is like when the this Wolves is lost a, to This Memphis. has been an easy stretch yeah. of the season. Three with Cincinnati, three with Toronto. Okay, they're probably better than you. You win one out of three. That's okay. But if you're playing Cincinnati and the Whiteys, uh, you got ten games here. You got to go seven and three. Yeah, they've already lost one, two, three, four, five. They've already lost five. They ten and seventeen right now. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, and and uh, as I said, you, this this is just you can't lose that game when it's five to one. Uh, yeah. I was talking to a White Sox fan, fan today. This Ronaldo, uh, what's it, Lopez, their pitcher, mm-hmm. has pitched pretty good this year. Has gotten no support. 
So they get a 5-1 lead and come back and let them win. In front of, by the way, about the crowd I predicted. They announced 13, but there could, there could <laughs> have been maybe. Yeah, oh, they couldn't even been that, probably. six, seven thousand. Yeah. Pat, you know, I, I just... It's a bad... I, it, it's just vibe, bad. And, and there's, just too, there's just too many, you know, you had... Irv's having to be out yeah, for a couple still, months. Yeah, Irv's Irv going to be out a month longer than he was supposed to. Yeah, you got the Polanco suspension for half the yes. year. Out and, of nowhere. That's when everything changed. Yeah, and then, you know, Miguel is just, he's out of shape and he's injured again. And, mm-hmm. you know, Buxton's got the injury. And, I, I mean, it just, there's there's nothing, What what is, what is there to be positive about right now? I mean. Well, and the, uh, the. I think Burials had a couple Mike, nice starts to think, start the yeah, year, but he's, he's kind of gone to tonight. the tank. Yeah. He's pitching tonight. But Randball, I think Randball made this point. Uh, so the guys we gave him credit for getting, Odorizzi has been, you know, he had the 5-1 lead and got beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, couldn't hold it. He's been mediocre, okay? He hasn't yeah. been terrible. First start was really good. But Reed was good then, early. He's yeah. Now he's terrible. Rodney's been terrible. Duke's been pretty mediocre. He's he's actually been better lately while everybody else has gone and Lynn's in the been tank. Brutal. And then, yeah, Logan Morrison. Yeah, Lynn's been brutal. And Logan Morrison hit a home run last night and had three hits, but he's hitting 180 or something. Yeah. So all of the six guys they brought in have not exactly, uh, and with the, we were giving them all credit for. But the only they've done some right dumb now is, things. Too. The only positive right now is probably Joe. You know, Joe's Except he, and then he had a bad week. You know, he yeah. didn't drive in a run for a month or something. So, uh, of course, there weren't many people to drive it. The other thing that happened, Dozier went in the tank. Dozier yeah. started off hot, and he, he went. Eddie Rosario's there. It is funny. I was talking to somebody about Sonoma today. It's, 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 uh, uh, I wrote a piece about him today, but, you know, 2015, you go back and look at those numbers like we talked about in July mm-hmm. and August. Whew. Man, that's perfect. That's yeah. perfection. He's drawing walks from what a big guy you want. And, but yeah. if you go, if you go back to that moment, they would have given you Eddie Rosario. You know, they they thought he was a goofball, and mm-hmm. they didn't think he took it seriously. And they would have, you know, they were not. They were down on the previous administration was down on Eddie. Yeah, and now he's the best hitter. But Eddie's a different kind of goofball than Sano. Eddie's Eddie's a gamer who shows up for the game, but Eddie doesn't show up at twelve thirty in the afternoon and hang around the clubhouse for mm-hmm. two and a half hours. You tell Eddie you got to be the ballpark at four. Eddie gets there at three fifty-five. Eddie goes early batting practice optional. Eddie's not there. <laughs> Eddie's going to be there when he's got to be there. And he's going to take batting practice, and he's going to do everything he's got to do. But he's not going to—he's not going to give you the false hustle, okay? Because mm-hmm. he believes in his talent, and he's—you know—as somebody described him to me, he's the show and go guy of all time. <laughs> he shows, he goes, and uh, and he's—you uh, know—just. But here's the other thing: he's just got a great swing. Yeah, he's got a great swing. Miguel right now has got a bad swing. He's, and partially with Miguel, I mean, because Eddie's in shape. Yeah, cool. oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Eddie's, Eddie's shape, always so going to be in shape. That swing is always going to be beautiful because mm-hmm. he's he's in shape, and I mean, mm-hmm. he might be showing up well, at the last minute, but 
If you can throw a fa- you can get him a chase a fastball or whatever, but you mm-hmm. can't throw a fa- and you can have him expecting a breaking ball and throw a fastball by him. But if you tell him, Eddie, I'm going to throw the ball 98 down the middle. He's going to hit it. Yeah. You don't throw you a fastball. A long way <laughs> you through. don't hit a fastball <laughs> pass. You don't throw a fastball past him if he's expecting a fastball and it's and it's not and it's in the strike zone. And and uh so that's that's the deal. You just you, as we we talked about Miguel forever yesterday. I don't know oh. what I don't want to say. It's uh What do you do? It's uh, I mean That's the ultimate question. What do you do? Cuz yeah, I mean, just, I'm yeah. sure they've tried everything with him. At you just got to hope. You just got to hope, I guess. That I hope something would happen. Something would happen. His, uh, I think his big problem, I guess I said this yesterday, is I think he, I think he's good intention, but I think he's got a, a concentration period of about five minutes and then his mind goes to something Does else. Does he need, and, you know, I hate to say it this way, but sometimes certain guys, like they need, something to be taken away from them you know what i mean like and i don't mean well, like suspending miguel or anything like that but send just, him to the minors send him to the minors or i mean yeah I, that's I what i asked like, about stuff, like i asked a, i asked some people about that and they say he'd probably that'd probably make it worse you know than they get down there and pout because i'm thinking like if if he realizes if something something happens and tells him but, look but, kid this but, could be gone but but in the split but second. What should be told to him is, Eddie, I mean, Miguel, you're arbitration eligible. Yeah. And instead of getting $5 million, you do this, you're going to get a million two. Right. You know, if this is it, you know, you're, gonna, you're right there. It's in front of you. You need a big year now to take into arbitration to get your salary moved forward. He's still making the minimum. You know, he's still making nothing by comparative standards. Wow. All right, we'll be back and uh, a little bit. We'll talk to Randy Sa- Sampson. Uh, Canterbury Park opens tonight. There are two kinds of people in this world: people who like Elvis and idiots. Okay. <laughs> Boy, ain't that the well truth? That is uh, true. Hey, Tiger Woods today. I was watching a little bit of him playing down at Quail, Quail Hollow. He cannot make a putt. He had six-footers, five-footers. He made one birdie today in his round. It would have been just the sixth. He had to make a 13-foot putt on his last hole of the day to make birdie. It would have been only the sixth round of his professional career without a birdie. Ended up, it also put him at two over, and he's probably going to make the cut. Which, of course, is uh, makes my uh, guy Hollis Kabner very happy. Hollis is uh, running that tournament now for Wells Fargo. And uh, having Tiger around on the weekend is a lot better than yeah. not having him around. Help the bottom line. Although they got a great field. They got Roy McElroy. They got uh, Jason Day in the in the contention. They got Phil Mickelson there. They have a uh, Patrick Reed. They got they got a great uh, field down there. What a golf course that is! But Patrick had two over. Virtually everybody must be in front of him, right? Then. Oh yeah, he's I, last I saw, he's tied for sixtieth or Ooh, something. Wee, yeah, painful. Not, uh, not Ouch. good. Not 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 real good. And uh, he's he's using a new uh, new clubs this week. He he's got to deal with TaylorMade, and he apparently hit the driver uh, okay. Although the they put the brand on these clubs. And then they just basically make him the way the guy wants him to be and say, oh, he's hitting a tailor-made. But anyway, 
Hey, uh, one other thing. Chris Streveler, remember him? Could have been the Gopher quarterback. Yeah. And he stuck around. Uh, well, uh, he transferred to South Dakota sat, uh, and uh, played two years down there. Had a fantastic uh, season last year at South Dakota. He accounted for 43 touchdowns, 32 passing and 11 rushing. And he led uh, FCS in total offense with uh, 4,854 yards. Because that kid could run. In fact, here they thought he could just throw it. I was just going to say, when he was here, they they didn't didn't think he could throw it, No, and then they tried to make him a receiver, right? Well, he threw to the tight end and made him a first-rounder, right? Or no, the kid, not not a first-rounder, the tight end that went to Philadelphia. Got it? Gordon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Dallas his. Goddard. That was his tight end. I think middle so, yeah. of the second round, right? Yeah, yeah. I Philadelphia think so. get, yeah. ends up trading up for him. Well, he has signed with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the Canadian Football League. Hmm. I am surprised more marginal guys don't do that instead of going to an NFL camp and getting cut. Yeah, you know, just go up to you go to camp. Yeah, you'll go get a contract like this Brandon Zilster kid from Concordia. Mm-hmm. He went up to. Uh, the Canadian Football League had two fantastic seasons, and now he's in camp with the Vikings with a much higher profile than if he'd uh, not gone to Canada. What's so. it pay up there? Oh, it's it's a lot less, but it pays more than not making the team down here or being on a practice squad or something. Yeah, it pays. You know, back in the day, in the 50s, when Bud was up there, you'd have Big Ten players who'd sign in Canada because they got more money than they got in the NFL. Really? Before the AF, uh, before the AFL started, yeah, some great Iowa football players played, uh, and a few Gophers. Tom Brown, the Outland Trophy winner from the Gophers, the you know best lineman in the country. He he spent his whole career in Canada, huh? Because uh, it, it used to be the, the money was uh, not that much different back in the day. And you could be done, and uh, you know the season wasn't long. So that was good. what are the crowds like? The stadiums? How big are the stadiums? Yeah, they got to be a smaller, lot smaller. Generally smaller. Yeah, yeah. generally smaller. They don't. Yeah. They don't have ice skates on. That's but why. Bud, you know, won three. Uh, Bud Bud comes from Winnipeg. That's where right. they hired him from. Three yep. uh, three Grey Cups. He won up there. Anyway, yeah. Uh, good luck to that kid. We'll uh, be back with uh, Randy Sampson, uh, Canterbury Park. Late breaking bulletin. Are you sorry? Goddard went to South Dakota State. Strebelow went to South Dakota. I've been corrected okay. many times. So Goddard was a jackrabbit, and why does Strebler South Dakota a, have two Division One schools and Minnesota has one? That's a, a very question, good question. I will never be able to. Uh, a very good the question. Dakotas have four. We got one. Yeah. What about? Come on, St. Thomas, show us something. <laughs> uh, Randy Sampson, uh, Canterbury Park. What is this year twenty four for the Sampson, sir? That is correct. Since race, since you mention it, we this is I think our twenty third year of actual live racing. But we bought the track in ninety uh, four, and so I I do believe that next year we will celebrate our twenty fifth anniversary since buying the track, and looking forward to a great weekend and a and a great meet this year. So it's it's great to see that twenty four years later we're not only we're scratching and surviving. You know things are going great. Uh, as springtime goes, this one came a little late for you, and you're starting a little early. Uh, you did you started here last year too, but with your Kentucky Derby weekend openers, this is probably the most challenging winter you've had, huh? 
Yes, it sure is. Uh, the uh, you know, as they were saying in the, on the news last night, it it uh, in 2013 we weren't running Derby then, but they had yeah. a snowstorm in May at that time, and, <laughs> and we were really glad we weren't running Derby weekend. But but you're right that uh, you know we we did get uh, you know we caught a real break with this weekend, obviously, but with snow on the ground two weeks ago, which really is hard to believe, a foot of snow two weeks ago, when you're looking at 80 degrees, 75 degrees. Uh, we were, uh, let's say we were more than a bit nervous a couple weeks ago about how we were going to pull it off, but things, uh, our crew did a great job. The weather did cooperate since then and warmed up, and we got a little rain to, which helped green things up, and, and so actually we're, uh, in, in remarkably good shape given, given where we were a couple weeks ago. The, the only real, uh, you know, impact at this point is that the horses all yes. came in so late that uh, most of them haven't had a chance to work over the surface, and ones that stayed in Minnesota, of course, are way behind on their training. So it may result in a little bit, you know, shorter fields for the next first couple of weeks until some of the horses get their works in. But but they're they're here and tracks in good shape and. And the weather's going to be nice this weekend and should be a fun fun weekend of racing. Today they looked okay, uh, seven or eight for most races. I was looking this morning. I don't know if you had any scratches, but yeah, that's no, the way it looked it, this morning. Yeah, that is right. We had about eight, eight averaged about eight uh, for today and tomorrow, which is pretty good, especially for this early in the year. So we, we filled pretty well, and so far there haven't really been any scratches. So the fields are uh, are you know actually better than we we were concerned they might not be as good as they are so we have got some you know eight races tonight and and 10 live races tomorrow Ooh. along with the derby so we're we're going to be loading them up and letting them rip as our friend dark would say <laughs> hey how many uh, you got any new guys you got any new folks who showed up this year with uh 20 horses or so you got any out of towners yeah, we do have a couple of new stables. Every year we when we're recruiting, you know, people are talking about coming and then at the end, you know, they generally end go, go back, back where they came from. Exactly. Right? <laughs> it's really hard to get them to move, but we do have a couple of nice stables that are that are here and a couple of guys that have been here the last couple of years with smaller stables that have have loaded up more, you know, that maybe split stables in the past. So there's you know, not any any big names, but some good quality stables and we really have a good jockey colony we've had we've got uh you know over the last four years we've had four different leading riders and all four of them are back competing this year and so we're really going to have a deep uh you know i don't i you know typically the riders end up you know with the same guys read leading rider yep, year right. after year and so it's really unusual to have four past leading riders all here at the same time and and should lead for you know lead to a really competitive jockey colony Hey, uh, what uh, is the uh, any uh, anything new at the at the with the facility since uh, last year? Pretty much same, or what? What? What are you? What are you? What are you proud of out there that uh, folks might uh, enjoy if they're not hardcore uh, racing people? Well, we always uh, every year we you know it's a it's a beautiful facility, but it's thirty years old, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so every year we're taking another area and remodeling it. This year on the first floor, we we completely redid a couple of food stands in our mutual island and a couple of bars including one that's now outside on the apron uh that that oh, didn't really? exist before that i think will really be a fun space to hang out when, you know where you're right on the right where the action is you know having an outdoor bar and those so we've, twins we've got, uh the twins have shown you the benefit of those drink rails uh randy is that what you're going to have there a drink rail 
Yeah, yeah, good idea, good idea. They're not there yet, but good idea. But yes, we uh, and last year we did uh, on the second floor. We did a nice outdoor bar too. That's worked out to be really, uh, you know, really popular. So few few things. You know, we've always got some things we're uh, you know every year upgrading and got plan more plans for next year and. We, uh, you know, last year we put in our our big thrill factory, which is a arcade and you know has a trampoline and some other activities for kids and young adults, and and that we opened in the middle of the season last year, and that's back bigger than ever. So we've got you know some additional entertainment for the families too. Hey, Randy, uh, is the, is Derby the right uh, weekend to open, or are you guys still uh, debating that with yourselves? Well, two weeks ago, even yeah, my guys that were uh, that have always, I've always been kind of reluctant because of the weather, and also mm-hmm. it's really hard to find help, and yeah. you know you end yeah. up you end up really kind of, you know, the twins have somewhat the same issue, but sure. nobody likes to have your opening day or opening weekend be your biggest weekend of the year because it's so hard to have your staff trained and mm-hmm. do a good job and. But, uh, you know, I, I last year we said, ah, let's give it a try, and we had a great weather and a great day and big crowd. And so, But two weeks ago, even the guys that were uh, uh, pushing it were saying, ah, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe not. But, but I think, you know, I think we'll have a great weekend. I think the answer is yes, certainly for the fans, that it's great for them. You know, we always get a big crowd for the Derby, but to actually have live racing creates so much more of a fun event around, you know, the biggest race day of the year. And, and it's always our biggest handle day, always uh, one of our biggest crowd days, that and the 3rd of July where we do fireworks. And so I think uh, I think we're settled in now on something that hopefully we can continue to make work. Oh, plus you got the wiener dogs. You got to have them back, don't you? Uh, sometime you got to have those little dogs or the bulldogs or something. Those are always good. People love those. All of the above, Patrick. We, I, I've told our marketing department that if there's one thing we're good at, it's when we have something successful, just... Doing it over and over <laughs> until we till we drive it into the ground. Right. We're up to I think uh, five or six dog racing days this year. Where <laughs> we've got wiener dogs, which was the original, then the bulldogs, then we added corgis, which really oh really in honor the of the crowd. queen in honor of the yep. royal wedding. That's for right. <laughs> That's right. And then now uh, this year we had a contest online. You know. Of, uh, <laughs> Name the dog and Basset Hound one. Oh so man, adding, those would be fun. They yeah, might take adding, a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I've always said that. You know, I mean, people say, "Why don't you race uh, whatever labs or mm-hmm. retrievers?" I said, "Well, you know, the whole idea is to race dogs that are ill-suited for racing because <laughs> yes, it right. creates a much more entertaining yes. situation." And, and but it is funny. You you know this that I I talk about how we we embrace what what is the minnesota you know what minnesotans want and we can put a million dollar race out there and bring in some great horses and we'll get a few thousand extra people show up but then we bring corgis and cupcakes and ten thousand more people show up packing the place so we've decided we'll we'll we're in the entertainment business and there's a lot of people in minnesota that aren't hardcore race fans but want to get out and have a good time so we're we'll uh you know, it's like the St. Paul Saints will do yeah. do whatever it takes to make it entertaining and fun and get people I was out. just going to mention, Randy, though, uh, from when you started, the level of competition around here is uh, incredible. Uh, you got the Saints in that beautiful ballpark. You got the soccer team now that's playing on weekends uh, that's going to have a new arena. You got the, every, Everybody's got a new ballpark. There's more options than ever. The Lynx are winning championships. I mean, it's competitive out there. 
You guys gotta, you guys gotta keep uh, keep after it. I'm sure. Yeah, we really do, and I'm I'm not one. I'm not complaining about it, but there's one difference: is that most, you know, and, and those stadiums have really raised the bar in terms yes. of what fans' expectations are in food and the cleanliness and the type of facility. And for the most part, all the other guys you mentioned have government funded yes. programs, and we're we're trying to figure out how to privately keep up with them and so it, it's it's not easy but we are you know every year we know we got to keep investing in the facility and and our racing is better than ever you know with the yeah. mystic lake purse fund we'll pay out 15 more than 15 million in purses and i think in 2011 which was the last year before mystic lake we paid out you know between six and seven million so it's uh oh, yeah, dramatically it's... improved our racing you know, product. One uh, last thing. Uh, who? What's your exact for the Derby? You know, I. Uh, it is going to be an interesting Derby. There, the one one interesting piece of it is there's two really nice undefeated horses that uh, Magnum Moon and uh, Justify. That you know, either of which have shown you know talent wise that they could be the big horse, could be a triple crown. And but neither of them ran at the at the age of two, which. There, uh, there hasn't been tradition a says they can't win. Yeah, has been since uh, 1880 something. <laughs> the last time a horse won the Derby without having a race at two. So, but those those two will be favored. I kind of like my boy Jack as a little bit of a long shot, but uh, you know, I, so I would say if I had to pick, a, you know, an audible is one that people are talking a lot about. Won the Florida Derby, yeah. but I'd, I'd probably. Justify looks like the horse. I'd love to see Justify win because it could be another American Pharaoh that could could really be a superstar for the sport. So far, it hasn't even really been tested. It's it's won pretty easily in all four starts. And so I'd put that over uh, over my long shot, my boy Jack, and see what happens. All right, hey uh, Randy, uh, thanks, and have a good year, and stay away from those tornado warnings and all that other good stuff. Yes, had a tendency to show up at four o'clock on Sunday. So, all right, I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks. Yep, thanks. Hopefully, we'll see you out here sometime. Uh, all right, Randy, thank you. Randy Sampson uh, runs Canterbury Park, and they uh, they do terrific uh, work out there. And as I said, man, there's a lot of options, but a lot of people like the track. So, we'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? That is Gene Vincent on this day in history, May 4th, 1956. He released a song with rather simple lyrics, Bebop Alula, and it became a national hit. Early days of rock and roll, of course. And uh, Gene Vincent uh, was, uh, you know, one of the uh, famous early rockers. And somebody, uh, there's a big controversy as to how the song got written. Well, it didn't take much. All you got to think up was Bebop Alula. And then, just a couple uh, of words. Yeah, just a couple of words, and then we keep going. Uh, but uh, Gene Vincent was a pal of Elvis's tube, uh, I believe. Oh. But there were two options today for the uh, this day in history. Mm-hmm. The other was the uh, National Guardsman shooting four students and uh, shooting thirteen students and killing four of them at Kent State on May fourth, nineteen seventy. I didn't think that fit in yeah, the Friday Fun Fest atmosphere that we try to create. Yeah. So uh, that I don't know was. That uh, worked. Uh, you don't hear uh, you don't hear a president like. Uh, the guy we got now, maybe 
saying something about the, the you know, the history of that thing and, and how disgusting it was. But uh, what the hell? Maybe on the 50th anniversary, he'll mention. We'll be back. <laughs>